Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. You're listening to The Jewish Truth Bomb with Lenny Goldberg. Hey everybody, this is Lenny Goldberg and thanks for tuning in. The big story in Israel continues to be the judicial reforms. It's dominating the headlines now ever since the new government took over. These judicial reforms are meant to weaken the power of the judiciary and to give some of that power back to the Knesset who was elected by the people. Now, if you don't know the intricacies of all this and you don't know what the judicial reforms are all about, what side you should be taking, what's going on, what does all this mean? Sounds kind of boring, judicial reforms. All you have to know is this to figure out where the truth lies, who's right and who's wrong. Well, just look at the side that's lining up to demonstrate against it. Look who they are. Ehud Barak, the BDS, Yair Lapid, the Tel Aviv elites, the New York Times, Joe Biden. I mean, it's not hard to figure out who to root for over here. I mean, these demonstrations are funded by the New Israel Fund, for crying out loud. So even if you don't know the details of this judicial overhaul, just look who's lining up on each side, and that's how you can always tell which side that you should be taking. In the Jerusalem Post on March 15th, there's an article by Omer Dostri, and it's hard to believe that there's something in the Jerusalem Post that reflects truth. But every once in a while, they print something normal. And this is an article that just sums it up perfectly. He says the entire question of making changes in the Israel judicial system, it's not some technical thing, but it raises the question of the character of the state. What kind of state will it be? That's what this subject entails. And I'm going to read some of this because it's really good. The ongoing public discourse in Israel encompasses much deeper and wider sentiments than just the discussion about reforms in the judicial system. The real issue at hand is the battle for the identity and nature of Israel and whether its political system should be representative of the majority of the public. Or, alternatively, should it continue to cater to closed and unelected elitist groups who have lost touch with the general public. So the author is saying here that the demonstrations against these reforms, those IDF generals and pilots and judges, he calls it the unelected elitist groups who have lost touch with the general public. And the article explains that from the very beginning of the establishment of the state, there was always a struggle for the identity. What kind of state is it going to be in the public sphere? Is it going to be a secular socialist faction? comprised mostly of Jews from Eastern and Central European countries that's trying to create an image of a new Israeli? Or will it be a country that maintains its Jewish traditions, a country with a a Jewish face to it? And he writes that this disagreement between the two factions, that's what has prevented Israel from adopting a constitution thus far. So this struggle between those who want to make this a state of Jews and those who want to make it a Jewish state, It was kind of delayed because all the wars waged by the Arabs, so we never really got around to it. We were too busy fighting for survival against the Arab enemy. Now, in 1977, you had the political revolution when Begin came to power, and that marked the ascension of the right wing to power following almost 30 years of unchallenged political control by the socialist left in Israel. Now, that victory by Begin in 77 that caused immense fear and alarm within the left-wing faction, which had unchallenged political influence in government ministries, the workers' union, academia, the media, the security forces, and nearly every organization or institution controlled by the left for decades. 
And the author writes here that it's worth noting that in those days, that is when Begin came to power, as is the case today, the media circulated messages infused with hysteria, intimidation, and incitement against the right wing's fascism and a sense of apprehension regarding the state's continued existence. So when Begin got the power, there was the same panic. Anyway, we know that Begin was a huge disappointment. He didn't clean house. The opposite. He embraced the left wing when he came to power. Anyway, the article continues. The left-wing camp has managed to maintain its political power through indirect means, including the legal system, bureaucracy, media, and academia, despite their limited success in democratic elections. Despite being repeatedly elected by the majority of voters, the right has been thwarted in its attempts to reflect the will of the public in areas such as economy, security, society, and religion-state relations. The left through its de facto political power in the corridors of power, that is, through the judiciary, the media, the army, they've prevented any possibility of shaping the public sphere according to the will of the conservative camp, which comprises the majority of voters. The current government's aim to promote legal reform is intended to finally reflect the will of the sovereign people who are predominantly conservative. This conservative public comprising ultra-Orthodox Jews, religious, traditional, and secular individuals with an affinity for Jewish tradition has consistently turned out to vote and seeks to shape public life in accordance with its values. And by the way, that's why Merits, that extreme left party, didn't even make the Knesset this year. I continue in the article, for the first time since the establishment of the state, the left-wing camp is now acknowledging the impending collapse of its anti-democratic political stronghold which has allowed it to indirectly control the public sphere and discourse and hindered the shaping of Israel based on the results of democratic elections. This legal reform marks the first time that the conservative majority will be able to shape public life in accordance with their values, in contrast to the left wing's efforts to promote progressive, secular, liberal, and multinational values. The opposition's extreme, hysterical, and exaggerated reactions to the legal reform are driven by a deeper motive than just the reform itself. It is a battle for the identity of Israel. This battle has been going on for decades, and the legal reform is a key component of the right's efforts to finally assert the will of the people. It's time for the right to assert itself with confidence and proclaim, there is democracy in Jerusalem and a sovereign in Israel. It is time to govern. So that's a great piece. It's hard to believe I found it in the Jerusalem Post. It says it all. It explains the hysteria and the temper tantrum we see from the left. And we have to hope that this government doesn't start to compromise with them and water down the judicial overhaul that they wanted to implement. So if you want to compare it to what goes on in America, well, you have your regular average American, and then you have that elite leftist clique which controls the media, academia, etc. And so when a train is derailed in Palestine, Ohio, carrying poisonous materials, President Joe Biden doesn't even visit them because they're regular, simple American Trump-supported types. But when the Silicon Valley bank goes under, well, then Biden is quick to bail them out because that's his guys, the high-tech, climate control, Black Life Matters progressive types. And so you also have two societies in America, and in Israel, it's just coming to a head. And in time, you'll have this confrontation in America as well. Already you have conservative congressmen talking about setting up a new republic because they don't see any way out of this. I want to talk about something else that's going on in Israel, and that's the arrest of four Jews who were arrested under 
administrative detention for their rampage in Khawara. And they're under administrative detention now. No lawyers, no visitors, brutal conditions. And this past Thursday, there was a demonstration at the jail where they're being detained in the Russian compound. Now, a little background here. A few weeks ago, two Jews from Harabracha, brothers from the Yeni family, they were murdered while driving their car in Khawara. We saw the Jewish settlers from that area respond. And now police are making arrests. And these boys are sitting in administrative detention. And police say they planned additional violent and indiscriminate acts that endangered the lives of many residents. So we have four young men, young settlers, who couldn't sit quietly by while Jews were being murdered or just go to another funeral where they say, oi, oi, oi. But they rampaged through Hawara to show them who's boss. And believe me, the settlers have much more of a deterrent factor than the soldiers do. Now, I live in Kvartapuach, one minute from this den of vipers called Hawara. And for the last 30 years, my kids have gone through Hawara back and forth on their way to school in Itamar. The place was always a den of vipers and snakes. And of course, it was a matter of time before they would start shooting at Jews and killing us. And that's why it's a mitzvah to drive out the inhabitants of the land and not let them remain there. Because in the end, there'll be thorns in your eyes and thickets in your sides, like the Torah says. But I want to talk about the condemnation across the board against the settlers who took part in this violence in Khawara after the murder of the Yaniv brothers. You wouldn't even know the Jews were murdered in Khawara. And this was a response to that. They're obviously more upset about settler violence than they are about Jews getting murdered. Defense Minister Yoav Gallant, he calls them terrorists. He says to release these Jews would be backing terror. And he says that the detainees will be held indefinitely without charge based on the request of the Shin Bet, who says there's significant intelligence material testifying to the detainees' high dangerousness. And he calls the Khawara rampage a watershed moment and a mark of shame for our society. So you know they're going to prosecute and persecute these settlers. The left wants it. The world wants it. They keep showing the pictures of those burnt down junkyard parking lots and all the cars that were burned. And I've been through Khawara hundreds of times and I would see those car lots. They were more like junkyards of stolen Jewish cars that were stolen from within the green line and brought to Khawara for parts. That's the pictures you see of the burnt cars. In any case, everybody's trashing the settlers for what they did. And I don't expect much from the defense minister, Yoav Gallant. The problem is when rabbis are trashing the settlers too. And rabbis across the board are condemning them. One of them is Rabbi Moshe Hauer, executive vice president of the OU. Rabbi Hauer opened his words with a question. How can such a thing happen? How could it come to this, that Jewish young men should ransack and burn homes and cars? What, he doesn't know that 1,600 Jewish families who live in Harabracha and Yitzhar and Itamar and Alan Moray have to go through this town every single day with no bypass road and, and are constantly getting stoned? And that after the murder of Hillel and Yagel Yani from Harabracha, the residents of Hawara distributed candies and sweets and cakes? Now, I know that these rabbis are good people, especially Rabbi Hauer. He doesn't know me, but a couple times a year when I visit my family, I go to Baltimore where they moved. And I pray in the shul of Rabbi Hauer, and he would always come up to me and ask me how I'm doing, who am I visiting, and stuff like that. I mean, he's a real mensch, and he's a huge Talmud Chacham as well. But that's the thing. When it comes to national issues, a lot of these great rabbis, these national issues, it's just not their forte. Their Jewish knowledge is expansive. 
covers a lot, but it doesn't enter these areas of Jewish nationalism, Jewish vengeance, dealing with a national enemy. Now, people will say, oh, that's politics. That's politics? No. The Arab issue is a matter of Jewish law, just like Shabbat, just like kosher food. The problem is the Torah of these rabbis doesn't enter these areas. And that's why you always get disappointed when you hear a great rabbi speak about these issues. A rabbi, let's say, that you've been listening to from Musa Shirim or to learn about Alacha, and they're fantastic, and they teach you a lot. But the minute they talk on a national level, stuff about the land of Israel, the significance of the state of Israel, how to deal with the enemies of Israel, you get disappointed. That's not their expertise, and they say stuff that's not true. And this reminds me of what Rabbi Kahana wrote many years ago when a young religious soldier, his name was Shlomi Korn, from the Kadamo neighborhood, he was murdered by Arabs on his way to the Kotel. And at his funeral, the Rosh Yeshiva from the Hezder Yeshiva at Ma'ale Adumim, he gives a eulogy. And Rabbi Kahana writes like this. In his eulogy, there was no call for the normal, for the halachic injunction, for the obvious, vengeance, drive the Arab malignancy from our midst before more young Shlomis are murdered. Instead, the rabbi cries out, what brazenness led the people to do such a thing? The tragedy of the funeral is thus compounded by the inexplicable obtuseness of the rabbi. What do you mean brazenness? The rabbi, immersed in deep Talmudic understanding of why the eternal ox gores the eternal cow, has not the slightest idea why the eternal Yishmaelite eternally stabs the Jew. And when individuals at the graveside shout, Vengeance! Some of the foolish devotees of the rabbi protest by shouting, Kavod HaMet, honor the dead. The ultimate Jewish blindness. Yeshiva students who having learned Torah for a dozen of years still do not understand that for a Jew who has been murdered by Jew haters, the greatest and the ultimate honor is to have his blood avenged. That's Kavod HaMet, vengeance against the murderers. Rabbis, yeshiva students, and the Torah grid sackcloth and ashes. So Rabbi Gahan is relating to this too, that Torah scholars, when it comes to issues like this, they just don't get it. And that's why you'll usually be disappointed when you hear a rabbi talking on these issues, these political subjects of Arabs, the land of Israel. It's just not their forte. I had my favorite rabbis I would listen to on TorahAnytime.com or there's this fantastic rabbi from Eshet Torah that gives great shirim. And I can learn a ton from them about how to pray better, how to be a better Jew. But every once in a while, if they go off on a tangent and talk about stuff like the Temple Mount, what to do about Arab terror, it becomes such a turnoff that sometimes I just hope and pray they don't talk about those subjects because it'll make it harder for me to receive from them their Torahs that they're giving me. So when that happens, you just have to tune it out because if you don't, you're not going to be able to learn from anybody. I mean, there's so many examples of it, but I'm just thinking of one Let's say Rabbi Avigda Miller. I would read his commentary on the Parsha. Wow, unbelievable stuff. And then suddenly I'd see somebody sends on Facebook what he said about Rabbi Kahano or Zev Jabotinsky, men who I greatly admire. He would say very not nice things about them. And it could become a real turnoff. But what, I'm not going to now learn the Torahs of Avigda Miller because he'd said that? So you have to do what it says in Perkei Avot. Who is wise? He who learns from everybody. That is, you got to learn from everybody, and sometimes it's hard. It's like, let's say you love some musician or athlete or actor, and you find out 
he's an anti-Semite or a raging leftist, which most actors are. Are you going to still root for that athlete or listen to that musician's music or watch the movies of that actor? I know it makes it harder for me to root for the Brooklyn Nets when their point guard is a Jew hater. And that group ABBA, who sing really nice songs, well, when I found out they were Arab lovers, I started to hate their music. And sometimes you just have to ignore it. I mean, you know that 90% of Hollywood are woke liberals. So what are you going to do? Just watch the movies of John Voight? Actually, I always liked him. It's just that when I found out his political views, I like him even more. But you got to separate or you just go nuts. You know, I mentioned earlier how the New Israel Fund, that treacherous Erevrav organization, are backing these demonstrations. And I happen to have an email in my hand that they write to their supporters. And this is their most recent email to their list. So listen to this email that the New Israel Fund sends to its donors to keep them up to date on what they're doing. Push back for democracy. Last week, we needed to raise $25,000 to the anti-occupation block at the protests in Israel. So the NIF doesn't call it the protests against judicial reform. They call it the anti-occupation block. And thanks to more than 500 generous donors, we doubled our goal, raising more than $53,000. Now listen to these sickies. There will be no true democracy as long as millions of Palestinians live under occupation. That's why it's so important that we make this emergency grant to the anti-occupation bloc at the pro-democracy protests. Here in the U.S., we mobilized in opposition to the visit of Bitsal Smotrich. Together with our friends at the Progressive Israel Network, we organized over 115 Jewish organizations to refuse to host or meet with Smotrich. So that's the email that the New Israel Fund sends to its donors to keep them up to date on what they're doing. So yeah, the New Israel Fund's behind all this. Now, Bitsalel Smotrich is being especially condemned because after the murder in Khawara, he called for the Palestinian town to be wiped out. And of course, when he said that, there was such a strong condemnation from everybody. He, of course, walked the comment back and he apologized. And he said, I didn't mean all of Khawara. I didn't mean to harm the innocents. And this happens all the time. It's our cancel culture society. Somebody says something true and real and he gets condemned because it's not politically correct. And he walks it back and he goes on his apology tour. And that's what I really miss about Rabbi Meir Kahana. He never apologized. For instance, back in 1969, when the rabbi started the JDL to protect the inner city Jews who were getting mugged, he set up patrols to protect the Jews of these neighborhoods and he trained Jews to defend themselves and he had a saying, every Jew at 22. That is, a Jew has to protect himself. Every Jew at 22. That is, a Jew should learn how to shoot a gun. Anyway, years later, when he became a member of the Israeli parliament, he appeared in a lot of TV and radio shows all over the United States. Not in Israel, of course. In Israel, he was banned by the media. Anyway, one time he was on this nationally broadcasted radio show and the guy calls up and he tells the host of the show, he says, you know, you're treating Rabbi Kahana there like he's some respectable figure. You don't know about him. You don't know his past. And the caller, in an attempt to expose the rabbi to the public, he says to the rabbi, you remember your slogan back there in the JDL days? You know, every Jew at 22. And Rabbi Kahana responded to him immediately. And he said, yeah, I remember. And I would have said every Jew in M1, but it didn't rhyme. So, so the rabbi never apologized. And that's what a true leader is. And the fact is, young people especially, they're looking for strong leaders. They can't bear to see their leaders or their rabbis apologizing. But that's all you ever see. Anyway, one last thing. I want to bring up some news and connect it to the Parsha we read a few days ago. 
One of the big stories in America is that the Biden crime family have received millions of dollars from China. And this has been known for a long time, but now the Republicans are digging in deeper. So we see that many of these politicians like Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, who are career politicians, they're incredibly wealthy. And you wonder, how did they get so wealthy being on the state payroll? Well, we read in our Pasha, Pasha Pekude, which is the last Pasha in the book of Exodus. We see that Moses, he gives an exact accounting of every cent he received. That's what Pekude means, an accounting. He gives an exact cheshbon on every piece of gold, silver, and brass he received. He explains where the gold went, where the silver went, where the brass went. He explains how much he collected from the donations of the people and where it all went in the building of the tabernacle. So we see in Pashat Pekudei that the leader has to have total transparency. Now the Midrash says that Moses gave this detailed accounting because the people actually suspected him from skimming. They said, Moses, you're skimming off the top. The people said, look at the neck on that guy. Look how big he is. He must be taking some of our money for himself. And so what does Moses do? In our Pasha, Pekudei, he makes an accounting. He gives a summary where everything went. And so a public servant has to have transparency. And that's part of the reason why America's going down. It's those corrupt leaders and politicians. You know, if you look at the great Jewish leaders like King David, when he conquered other countries and he took their spoil, all that he captured, all the gold and silver and brass that he captured, it didn't go to him. It went towards the building of the temple. So his son Solomon would have it ready when he wanted to build it. That's David HaMelech. And we learned in Masechet Sanhedrin, on page 48, it says that Yov ben Sruria, who was David's captain of the army, well, he had a lot of spoil. He conquered all the nations around him and he took all their spoil. What did he do with it? He gave it to Tzedakah, to the poor people of Israel. It says that his home was like an open tent and people would go through his house it was open on both sides and the poor would go through his house and he distributed all that he pillaged from the enemies. He gave it to them. He didn't take it for himself. So may we merit leaders like Dovan Melech and Yoav ben Sruria, not only great warriors, but not a trace of corruption in them. And by the way, if you want to hear more Bible stuff, you can find me on Lenny Goldberg's Bible Classes. You can Google that, Lenny Goldberg's Bible Classes. And you can hear my shirim on the Tanakh, the Book of Kings, the Book of Shmuel. See you next week. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 
Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India. And I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.